Good morning. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open it to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. I've been preaching here since January. The very first Sunday of, the, of 2020 I was here. Every other week since then, for the most part, I've been here. Never once have I preached here as an ordained minister of the gospel. Officially an ordained minister. Last Sunday I was ordained by my home church. Um, it was an amazing moment, special moment. I thank God and His grace that, for that moment. And never once have I preached here in this building in front of you as the pastor of this church. So today I officially, well Monday actually, all week, um, I got really familiar with Mickey Love by the way. We hung out a lot. I'm going to have to change the locks or something on this building. Just kidding, Mickey bought me lunch twice. It was fantastic. So I officially started Monday, but today is my first Sunday as the pastor of this church. And my heart is full. If you're anything like me, often you think back at who you used to be before God reached down in the depths of who you were as a person far from God and saved you from yourself. And I've had a month since you graciously voted me in to think and process through just the grace and mercy of our God. What He's done in my life. What He's done in your lives. And what He will continue to do in all of our lives because He's faithful. And He loves His church. And this building is not a church. You and I are the church. I could go on and on and tell you all the dreams and the you know, exciting things I want to try and do with all of you in the near future, but I don't want to bore you. Uh, I think they're exciting myself, but for the sake of time, I won't do that. But I just want to tell you that my wife and I both are so excited to be here, to be on staff here, to, to help lead with the elders and the deacons, and you guys as all ministers of the gospel. I mean, God has called all of us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. He's called all of us to minister to those who are far from God and help those who are in need. He's called every single one of us as the body of Christ to band together as a family to reach those around us and even have an impact to make an impact all across the, the globe for that matter. And so my heart is full. I'm excited. My wife is excited. We're thankful to be here. In fact, when Mickey called me, I think it was the first or second week of December of last year, asking me if I was available to, to preach effective January 5th and how often, I could not have imagined what God would do six months later. If you're anything like me, and in this way every single one of you are, we all make plans. We all make plans. Plans that are good. Plans that maybe aren't good. Maybe they're not so wise. But we all make plans nonetheless. And I love the scripture, Proverbs 16 verse 9, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That could not be further from the truth in all of our lives. And I've made a lot of plans. And my wife has made a lot of plans. And my wife has made a lot of plans for us over the last six months. But I thank God and His grace that He has determined our steps along the way. And so, again, we're excited and we're ready. And uh, we're ready to do ministry with you guys. So Ezekiel chapter 36. The context here is the... Babylonians has, have exiled God's people. King Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, along with thousands of others of God's people, are in exile, including the prophet Ezekiel. Ever since the very beginning of this book, in fact, Ezekiel has been in exile. Jerusalem has not yet fallen at the beginning of the book, but when you get to the middle of exile, Jerusalem has fallen, and that's where we are in Ezekiel 36. Jerusalem has fallen, God's people are in exile, 
And instead of God destroying His own people for their sin, for their rebellion, this was commonplace for God's people to act out in rebellion against God, to pursue and, and worship other gods and other idols. Instead of God destroying His people, He scattered them and He exiled them. And it says in verse 21, this is God speaking, I had concern for My holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. And so, my first of two points this morning, based on Ezekiel 36, is God is concerned for His holy name. We'll start in verse 16 of Ezekiel 36. God's Word says, Again, the Word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. So I want to take us out of this text real quick, and I want to read you a pledge that I think all of you are going to recognize. It goes like this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I think maybe most of you recognize that. Well, in 1954, when communism threatened the United States of America, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a bill, and it eventually got passed, in favor of the insertion of under God in the National Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, saying, it was made to recognize a supreme being and advance religion at a time when our government was publicly inveighing against atheistic communism, which at that time the federal government did not dispute. And on that very day, President Eisenhower is quoted as saying, from this day forward, the millions of our school children will daily proclaim in every city and town, every village and rural schoolhouse, the dedication of our nation and our people to the Almighty. And you fast forward to 2002. Our government passed a bill that banned the mention of God in the public school system. One senator was quoted as saying, our founding fathers must be spinning in their graves. This is the worst kind of political correctness run amok. What's next? Will the courts now strip, so help me God, from the pledge taken by new presidents? Speaking of presidents, the very first president of the United States of America, George Washington, who was a believer in the gospel, once said, and this was regarding a holiday we would come to know as Thanksgiving, Washington is quoted as saying, whereas it is the duty of all the nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. So George Washington, the first president of America, recognized God as being sovereign, as the Almighty God. George Washington, the first president of the United States of America, recognized the importance of obeying His will. Another way you could state it is obeying God's word. He recognized the importance of being thankful and being grateful for the grace of God. He says His benefits, as well as George Washington states, humbly seek His protection and His favor. These are pretty wise words for a leader of a free country, I would say. Now, if you were to do a simple Google search of In God We Trust, you would see that the Coinage Act of 1873 authorized In God We Trust on coins. And then in 1956, the U.S. Congress adopted In God We Trust as the official motto of the United States of America. You can go all the way back to the Gettysburg Address and the Declaration of Independence. There is a mention of one nation under God. They also call it nature's God and a God who will judge the whole world. I think if all, if not most, of the founding fathers acknowledged the sovereignty of God as their base worldview. These are the pioneers, the leaders, the the first men to help start and establish this very nation. So let me pause here in more modern day and go back to Ezekiel 36. 
in the chapter of Ezekiel 36, you see, when speaking of the sovereignty of God, he mentions the word sovereign Lord 14 different times in this chapter alone. The language here is that God refers to himself as the supreme authority over all the universe. God is ruler over all things. His authority has no end. And Scripture teaches us that this God is the righteous judge of the living and the dead. So God being the supreme ruler of the universe, the holy judge of the living and the dead, speaks to the prophet Ezekiel and he says these words, When the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it with their conduct and their actions. And they profaned my holy name. And where did it get them? Exile. A scattered people. Under the authority of an opposing nation. A nation who worships other foreign gods and has no respect and no reverence for the one true God. Now, take ourselves out of the text and bring ourselves back into modern day. Look at our nation right now. A nation whose claim from the beginning has been one nation under God. Doesn't seem that way these days, does it? America is defiling her own land and her conduct and actions right now. Cities are being overthrown. Law enforcement being pushed out. Riots, looting, buildings are being burned down. Apparently there's a new nation in the city of Seattle called CHOP. And of course there's long-lasting issues of racism that still haunt this nation today. America has been profaning God's holy name for a long time. Here's just a few statistics that prove it. Abortion in America. Since 1973, over 61 million abortions have occurred in America alone. In 2017, just as just one year, one example of one year, just over 862,000 abortions occurred alone. That's roughly 2,400 abortions in a day. 98 abortions per hour. That's an abortion that's one abortion every 34 seconds. There's an institute that did, has some statistics. I'm not sure how accurate this actually is, but it says from 2010 to 2014 that there's an average of 56 million abortions per year worldwide. So the question, how does this defile, how does this profane the name of God? Well, God in His Word says that He is the creator of all human life. The Bible says that God creates us and knits us together in His mother's womb, Psalm 139, and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139. The Bible says that every person born into the world is made in the image of the living God. That's Genesis 1, verse 27. And as a nation, right now we are murdering babies created by God in, in, in His image. But that's not it. The defiling and profaning of God's holy name continues. I went on YouTube this past week. It's one of the most viewed, biggest, most known uh, social media platforms, YouTube. On YouTube's front page, it had the flag that um, represents the LGBTQ community. Let me just say, we love all people as God's church. That will never change and should never change. But it's scary, if you think about it, when the LGBTQ community has a louder voice in America than the church of Jesus Christ. And then you look at domestic violence in America. On an average, 24 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in America alone. That's over 12 million men and women per year. That's just one stat. You can think, when you think about domestic violence, how graphic it actually can be. This is the only ones that are actually being reported. And when COVID-19 hit, the government lockdowns happened and shelter-in-place occurred all over the nation, 
domestic violence actually skyrocketed. So what does all this mean? It means that what's happening in our country right now is a result of sin. And the holiness of God will not tolerate sin without a lack of repentance for very long. And what's God's response to conduct and actions regarding the defilement and profaning of His holy name? Verse 17, their conduct is like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight. So this is where we would have to go back. This is the strange part of the sermon. I apologize, but we have to go back to Levitical law in Leviticus chapter 15. So you can, when you go home, read Leviticus 15. But when we look at Old Testament Levitical law, contact with blood made you ceremonially unclean and disqualified you for a period of time to worship in the temple. So even entering into the tabernacle, you could not do. When women experienced their menstrual cycle, it meant that they were unclean. This was Old Testament law. We just want to get a picture of what Ezekiel is trying to communicate here. Anyone who came in contact with her rendered themselves unclean. Blood signified loss of life or potential for life. And Israel, now think of the nation of God's people, had the potential for life. But she has not let herself permeate life. And now there's death currently in Ezekiel 36. Therefore, Israel is now unclean in God's sight. Remember, Jerusalem has fallen at this point, which means there is no temple. There is no tabernacle. In other words, a subtle way of saying it, they're unclean and Yahweh's presence is not with them. They had the appearance of life, God's people, and the potential for life, but it was not happening. Now remember, God is perfectly holy and His people have rendered themselves unclean. So it goes on, verse 18, So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. Verse 19, God says, I scattered them among the nations and they were scattered. Why? They defiled His name with their idols and profaned His holy name in their sin and in their rebellion against Him. I've just given you a very, very short list of the handful of examples that our nation has sinned against God. A nation that claims to be one nation under this God. The sovereign God of the universe. What did God do? What has God done in response? A worldwide pandemic has occurred across the globe. God stopped the world from operating as the world. Shelter in place all over most of the earth. Shelter in place all over America. Every church building in America emptied of its people. Every seat in every church building across America emptied of its people. It is a privilege, a blessing from God that we get to gather here on Sundays together as a family. It was several hundred years until the church started actually doing something like this. It's a blessing from God that we get to do this and He stripped us from it. Shut it all down. It's like God just flipped a switch to off and the world went in panic mode. It makes you think. We've defiled our land, profaned God's name with our sin and our idolatry and our idols. Just a few of them. Money, power, political, or politics. Sex and pornography is rampant in this country. Pornography viewing is at an all-time high right now. Gender identity. Sports, all over the world, sports is idolized. In this country especially, sports is idolized. God shut the sports world down. 
and he scattered his church. We had to be apart from each other. It's almost as if God might be trying to communicate something, and I think that he is. Point number one, God is concerned for his holy name. Point number two, out of concern for God's holy name, God acts on behalf of his holy name. This is the good news of the Bible. Verse 22, therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which had profaned among the nations, the name you had profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleannesses. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, but for the sake of my holy name, God says. Twelve times in ten verses, God says, I will do these things. Salvation is clearly grounded in the sovereign grace of God. So think about this. The hearts of God's people will never be clean, and the souls of God's people will never be saved unless God acts in sovereign grace and mercy. Think about this. Humanity, we're talking about the whole earth, is utterly hopeless in their sin unless God steps in to save. And we as a people would be kept under the perpetual wrath of God if not for God to step in and sweep us out from under His wrath. We see in Ephesians 2, I think I read this the last time I was here, the first three verses in Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul talks about the sinfulness of man and that we are utterly dead in our sins. Paul does not say that we are kind of dead. Paul does not say we are partly dead. He doesn't say we're a little bit dead and we're still a little bit alive. No, the Apostle Paul says we are dead in our sin. But the hinge verse, though, of Ephesians chapter 2 is what you remember, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, then remember all of the things that God does on our behalf. Because of His great love, because He made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up with Him. He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace. God is doing all of the action here. God is the one doing everything. It's interesting when you look at Ephesians 2, all of the references to us are in the passive voice. Ephesians 2 verse 5, You have been saved. Not you saved yourself. Now you worked really hard and you got to a certain point and then God stepped in. No, God did everything. You were saved by God's grace. This happened to you from an outside source. And then in Ephesians 2 verse 8, for by grace you have been saved. This has been done to you through faith. And just in case we're not getting it, Paul sums it up or makes it clear in verse 9, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. God does it all. Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are justified in Christ 
alone. So, salvation is something that happens to us. You see this all throughout Scripture. Sinners do not justify themselves. Sinners are justified by God. God does this. So, what I believe God is saying in His Word is the sole ground of salvation is the grace and mercy of God. And the supreme aim of salvation is the global glory of God. So the how here, how we're being saved solely by God's grace. The why, we're being saved supremely for God's glory among the nations. And how do we know that? Verse 23, Ezekiel 36. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. So out of concern for God's holy name, God acts on behalf of His holy name. This is a new covenant being introduced in Ezekiel 36 in the Old Testament, prophesying that a new covenant would one day come. Good news for us, good news for the world. If you're wondering if there's hope for humanity, there is. The new covenant was established in the Old Testament and it's come into fruition in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the answer. How did God act on behalf of His holy name? By sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the supreme sacrifice for all our sin. Jesus drank the the, the cup of the wrath of God for all mankind. And He shed His blood on the cross for the sins of the world. And Scripture says, all who repent of sin and turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior will be forgiven of sin and inherit eternal life. This is the hope for humanity. And this is 100% true. It's 1,000% true, actually. The problem is, there is a gospel being preached in America, all across the world, really, Invite Jesus in your heart and you'll be forgiven of your sin. You know what? That's true. But it's a little incomplete. Because the problem is, far too often you see in this country and all the world, people confess Christ as Lord, but they look just like the rest of the world. That's what makes it incomplete. Something is missing there. And I believe Ezekiel tells us what it is in verse 26. This is God speaking. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to obey or to keep my laws. So what's happening in this text, God in His Word is saying, not only will I step in and save my people from their sins, not only will I vindicate my people, not only will I bring them back into their own land, not only will I cleanse them of all their impurities, not only will I sprinkle clean water on them and make them clean, Not only will they no longer be filthy, defiled, and unclean, but clean, pure, and blameless in my sight. But God says, I will put my spirit in them. And that will cause them to be clean. God says, I will put my spirit in them and they will become new people. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, a new has come. This is work of God and God alone. It's the Spirit of God that causes people to come alive in Christ. That's it. And it's the Spirit of God that causes people to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of God at work. And I believe what's happening in America right now, what's being said, what's being done, is coming from a place deeply rooted beneath the surface. I believe it's an overflowing of the human heart. Jesus says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If we want to see a change 
in America, if we want to see a change across the globe, if we want to see a change in the city of McKinney, if we want to see a change in, in, in our neighborhoods, if we want to see a change in members of our own families, there first must be a change in the human heart. And God in His Word is saying, not only do I have the supreme power and authority to change the human heart, but I have the extreme grace to actually see it through. So I want to end by reading another text. And then I want to introduce what is coming starting for us next week. So God in Ezekiel 36 has spoken. We've heard it. Now look in Ezekiel 37, beginning in verse 1. God is with the prophet Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel's response, I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. In the Hebrew, the word breath there is spirit. God in His Word continues to reiterate a message that's really all throughout Scripture. It's God and God alone who places His Spirit into His people and it causes them to come alive in Christ. Jesus today offers new life in His name. And God's Word says that Jesus came precisely to lay down His life as a ransom for many. People in your family and my family and across these neighborhoods in McKinney are living in rebellion against God and are dead in their trespasses and sin, defiling, profaning the name of God. But here's the good news. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It is the Spirit of the living God who makes and causes people to be clean and blameless in His sight. Remember what He said. It's the Spirit of God that causes us to obey His Word to be careful to obey His laws. Nobody has a desire to follow Jesus if not for the Spirit of God in them. So here at Hillcrest Christian Church, if we believe, notice Ezekiel left it up to the sovereignty of God. In the very next verse we see, under God's sovereign grace, He wants to pour out His Spirit among those who are dry, dead, and without Him. So here at Hillcrest Christian Church, if we believe in the sovereignty of God, and the power of His Word. And I propose for us, every single one of us, our next step together as a faith family, because we are now, we're a family in Christ, but now we're a faith family here at Hillcrest. I've now joined you in that, my wife too. I believe that starting next Sunday, we will step into a, a sermon series based on this book, Extreme Prayer. Now, if you don't know anything about this book, it's written by a man named Greg Pruitt. Greg is the president of Pioneer Bible Translators. He was a former missionary in West Africa. He translated Scripture. Greg is, is going to come speak here actually on July 19th. So I want to invite you to invite others to be here because it's going to be amazing. Greg has given us, at a very, very cheap cost, a lot of these books. So this is a gift to you at no cost for you. We don't have a truckload of these copies, so if you can somehow share with your spouse, that would be amazing. But we're not going to watch you as you leave and grab a book. We want you to have these. This is a gift to you from the church, and we want to read this together over the month of July, and we're going to have a, every single Sunday we're going to preach based from this book, and of course scripture, this book is saturated in God's word, 
And also, on July 1st, I'm going to email everybody a prayer calendar that we can all follow along with. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray bold prayers for each other. We're going to pray bold prayers for our nation. We're going to pray bold prayers for our leaders. We're going to pray bold prayers for the Church of Jesus Christ together as a faith family. So you will see that over the next coming days. Prayer calendar for all of us to follow. Guys, I'm excited. I'm excited because in my own strength, I don't have much to offer. I think I love people enough, but God's love for me has just exponentially grown my love for people. By His grace, through His Spirit. The same is for you, I know. So together as a faith family, let's call out God's help. Let's cry out for Him. Let's ask His Holy Spirit to empower His people to do the work of the church, the the work that God has been calling all of us to be doing our entire lives as Christians. We have to serve. We have to pray extreme prayers. And we're going to do it together. And God's going to bless that, I believe. And He's going to hear our prayers. And He's going to be faithful. He's going to be faithful. But we have to be faithful to Him. We have to be faithful to Him. And so I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to this. Again, these are available for you on your way out at no cost to you. Will you join me as I pray? Father in heaven, I am so thankful for your grace. I'm so thankful for your love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the ungodly. God, I'm so thankful that you have poured out your Spirit in this room. I'm so thankful that the Spirit of God lives in us and has empowered us and encouraged us and and given us life in Jesus. And Father, we just want to spread that message and that that message of love, God, that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in our hearts and we want to share that with with our city, with, with our neighborhoods, with the people who are even closest to us in our workplaces and in our families. God, we're just asking for you to to continue to give us grace. We're asking for you, God, to empower us and help us as we move forward as a faith family. And as we pray bold and extreme prayers, God, I pray that knowing you're, you're faithful, you will answer and you will lead us and guide us in the ways of the Lord. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. By the way, there's one thing I did miss. We're going to create a prayer room here. It's going to be one of these rooms. It's going to be all decked out for prayer, prayer boards, all kinds of things. This room is going to be made available to all people during work hours. We're going to somehow figure that out. That's the job Kyle Hardaway has for us. So, but that's exciting. A prayer room. So you can come up for prayer after the service. And if there's things you want to talk about with leaders of the church, we can take you into the prayer room where it's more private. We want to have a room accessible for all people in this room. So the direction we're going in is that room will be available to all of us during working business hours in the near future. Guys, I am beyond excited. I have expressed that. I want you to know my heart is full, my wife's heart is full, and we are excited together. And so I love you guys. I'm thankful to be where I'm at. I'm looking forward to the future that God has planned for all of us.